Pastor. What a joy to be here today. First of all, the church looks great. I haven't seen it since you redid it, and it's just beautiful. But to be here with this wonderful congregation, and your pastor has been so kind, has been so encouraging, and actually really making me feel special to come back here, and I thank him for that. I'm kind of caught between two uh, far distant times, talking about heaven and thinking about the history. Now that's kind of a, a wedge to be caught in. But you may be seated, but I just want to thank Pastor so much for the opportunity to be here with you. I love the Chance family. Good morning, Mama Chance. We're both here, thank God. Not many like us. And when you said you buried some recently that were in that first church, there are not many left. Not many left. But as a girl, I used to get in the car with my dad. He was pastoring, actually, in West Monroe. But he had such a burden for this city. And we would drive through the city, and he would pray as we drove through the city. And he tried to get numerous pastors or preachers to come and start a church. Never could, so he said, I'll do it myself. And here we are. And this church gave me the first opportunity to do what I've been doing now for over 70 years, and that is teaching the Word of God. I started a backyard, backyard Bible club for children in the neighborhood around the church when I was 15, and started teaching Sunday school when I was 15, and I've been teaching ever since. Now y'all know how old I am. Because when you add 70 and 15, you get 86. And I'll be 87 in December. And I'm not ashamed of my age. I'm, I'm a survivor. I'm a survivor. But I just, I, you have no idea the excitement that uh, I have had in the weeks coming up to this date just to be here. Thank you, Pastor and Mrs. Pastor. It's so good to see you. I've known them both since they were children. In fact, I've known most of the world since they were kids. But God has been so good, and I want to share with you some things today that uh, have really made a difference in my life. In 1952, there was a woman named Frances Chadwick. She was a swimmer. She stepped into the cold waters of the Pacific Ocean off of Catalina Island with the intention of swimming to the mainland shore of California. It was a foggy, cool day, chilly. She swam for 15 hours. She was tired. She begged to be taken out of the water. Her mother, who was in the boat that was accompanying her, encouraged her. She said, honey, it's not very far. Keep swimming. So Frances swam on until exhausted she just stopped. And immediately they picked her up, picked her, put her in the boat, wrapped her in warm blankets. And as she sat there shivering, she looked out across the seascape and the fog started lifting. And she was only a half mile from her destination. She said later in a news a new meeting with the newspaper, the news people, she said, you know, if I could have seen the mainland, I think I could have made it. 
but all I saw was fog. We're living in desperate times, but we're not far from the shore. If you know anything about prophetic prophecy from the Bible, you know that the time of the coming of the Lord is very, very near. Don't give up just because of the fog, because you're nearer than you think. Now, my teaching today is not, it's not going to be expertise. It's more like you would call uh, exploratory teaching. Y'all have heard of exploratory surgery? Where a doctor knows there's something there and he, he wants to find out what it is, but he doesn't really know what it is. And that's kind of like heaven. Has anybody here ever wondered about heaven? You know, normally when we use the word, we use it as a generic word. I have tried since I have been studying it. I have asked several people, well, how would you define heaven? And they stumble around and, you, you know, how, how do you start to describe what you think? What do you even think about heaven? Or is it just a word that has some meaning to you, but you're not even sure what? So what is heaven like? When will we go? Are there people there? What's it going to be like when we get there? So maybe today we'll help you with understanding a little more. And heaven is the ultimate, the absolute ultimate of everything God ever made, ever did, ever thought. It's the ultimate, and it's my ultimate goal. You know, this study was ignited in my own heart when I lost my husband. Pastor referred to it three years ago this past June. And I want to share with you just a moment on how his death happened. He was a very spiritual man, a very godly man, but a very down-to-earth person. And he had broken his leg, and it was a bad, bad break, and he had had to be put in a rehab place so that it could mend correctly. And I, I called him that morning. Uh, was, I, of course, went out there every day, and I would, he would put him in the wheelchair and then take him to the car, get him out, do things, and I called him about 7.30 that morning, or he called me, and we made our plans for the day. But the day before when I was there, let me back up a little bit, I went and walked in, and he was very quiet. And I said, is there something wrong? He said, well, I heard the bells last night. I said, you heard the bells? What bells? He said, I don't know for sure but I heard the bells, and I think I'm near. We just kind of skipped it, went on about our day that day, but when I got there this morning, it was different. He had gone to, to therapy and found out that he had rebroken his leg the day before and was going to be another 10 weeks in, in extreme therapy. And he said, take me back to my room. And by the time I got there, three hours after I had talked to him on the phone, he was sick. He was nauseated and not himself at all. That was about 10.30. We put him back in the bed about 12, and he died at 2.05, just that sudden. But he had been breathing very brief and short, and just a little gasp. And you know how it happens when life is leaving this body. Terry and I were there together. Terry, Tommy was preaching a funeral. 
and we were leaning close to him, and all of a sudden he went, took a deep breath. He hadn't done that for hours. And as he let that breath out, this is what he said. I am in the presence of God. He dropped his head, and that was the last breath. I will never forget that. Never forget the feeling of talking to a man who one moment is breathing the air of this world, and the next moment it was the celestial air of heaven. The last breath, and he announced he was in the presence of God. Brother Barnes used to tell us that the division between the world that is to come and where we are now is like a piece of tissue paper. It's that thin. And the real world is not the world we see. The real world is the world that is unseen to our physical eyes. A scriptural reference to that is the young boy that was with the prophet when they were surrounded by the army and he said, Master, alas, what are we going to do? The, the soldiers in the army is around us. We're circled in. And he said, ask God to open the boy's eyes. And when he looked again, beyond the problems that he saw were the angels of the Lord and the armies of heaven, as real as the ones he had seen with his natural eyes. That world is more real than this world. This world is passing away, but that world will stand forever and forever. So heaven is very mysterious to us, we earthlings, and we're not quite sure. We hear little bits of this and that, a little story of that. And I was sharing my, my talking about heaven with a, a neighbor just recently, and she said, well, let me tell you about my mother. She said, when she died, she'd been a faithful saint of God for many years. Said she'd been lying so quiet and so still, eyes closed, and all of a sudden, she opened her eyes and said, Mama, as if she had just walked into the presence of her mother, who had been a faithful saint of God and gone on to glory many years before. I tell you these stories because it helps us relate in our humanness to what is what we are in right now is so temporary compared to the ages that are, are to come even and the ages that are past our lifespan is nothing but a drop in the bucket it is one single drop and it's over 70 80 years seems like a long time but compared to eternity it is hardly a split second. But it's real. Heaven is real. I hope I can convince you of that today in a way that will make it encouraging to you. John chapter 14 verses 2 and 3 says this. He has gone to prepare a place, a place for you, that where he is there we can be also. Heaven, my friend, is a literal place. Because you see, the word place that is in that scripture comes from the original word topos, from which we get the word topography, which means a locatable space like on a map. 
like when you're looking at a map and you say, here is Monroe. The place, the word place that is used in that scripture is just that definite that there is a place you could point to and say that, my friend, is heaven. It's not only a place, but the scripture goes on to say there are going to be many mansions. Now, I read just recently that one translation of that says many rooms. And in a minute, maybe I'll kind of give you the idea of why it could say many rooms. It may be separate mansions, maybe rooms in a huge, huge condominium. Who knows? But heaven is very real, and we have missed it by not seeing that from the scripture and enjoying the figment of our imagination to know what life is going to become. You see, when you have something to look forward to, you can take what you're in a whole lot better. Have you ever had a, made a trip? You're planning a vacation? Did you know they say that literally half of the enjoyment of a vacation is the planning of it to go? You know how you do. You talk about it and the kids get excited. Well, I'm here to tell you we're going on a vacation, but it's going to be permanent. We're going to a place that's going to be more magnificent than anything you've ever seen on a vacation. And it's time we start talking about it because we're nearing the shore. We are nearing the shore. So there are many mansions there. The word mansions is dwelling place or rooms. It's a place where people live. That gives me an encouragement to know that it's actually going to be a place I can live and enjoy and be there. It can be translated a habitat or lodging for people to be in. A place, a place, it's mansions. It's real and it's physical. Real mansions. Are y'all getting that? I'm not talking about a fairy tale. I'm talking about something that is real and it's already out there. But where is heaven? Heaven is up. Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11 says that he was caught up in a cloud. Jesus went up in a cloud. There are many scriptures that refer to the fact that heaven is up somewhere. Satan even knew where God's dwelling place was. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13, Satan said, I will ascend into heaven above the stars and clouds and he was going to take over the throne of God. He thought. Bad thought. Bad thought. So it's above, but it's above more than the sky. It's something out there way, way, way up. It's called the third heaven. The third heaven. The Bible mentions three different heavens. The first heaven we know is the atmosphere above our world. It's the air that's up there. That was what Genesis chapter 2 in the beginning, or Genesis chapter 1, the second thing that, that God made in the beginning, God created, and he created the heavens and the earth. And that heaven above us is the atmosphere. Then there's another heaven beyond that that is called the outer space. That's where the planets and the stars and all of those things are. That was created in the book of Genesis. God said, let there be, and there was all of that in that other heaven that is beyond. And then there's the third heaven. Now, this is scriptural, folks, because Paul wrote and said, I was caught up into the third heaven. 
So we know that the third heaven is God's dwelling place. Now, I meant to bring these statistics, and I forgot to bring them. But the United States government launched a space, I don't know whether you call it a spaceship or whatever you call it, but anyway, way, way, way back, I believe it was in 78, if I'm not mistaken, that is still traveling and has never reached the end of the universe. That's big. But God's heaven is out beyond the third heaven that we can see. There is a future place that is being prepared for his people. Now, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Now, that's a little different thing. Uh, you know, really, this should be done in a classroom where you've got all kind of things to help you understand it. But the book of First Peter, or Second Peter it is, tells us that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. This heaven, this earth is going to be burned up. It's not going to be, and I don't even know how to say this, the pastor, I've been reading too much. I can't even comprehend what I'm reading about all this stuff. But, you know, we have the heaven that we see and the earth that we see, and we say what's going to be burned up. It's actually going to be purified because there's still going to be an earth. There's going to be a new earth. There's going to be a new heaven. I'll get into some of that in a minute, but it just blows my mind when I think about it. Isaiah 65 says that there's a new heaven and a new earth that is to be. Isaiah 65 says the new heaven and the new earth, and it's going to be there. Uh, verse 10, there's going to be a new Jerusalem. Now, if, you're, if you listen to the news very often, you're going to hear something about Jerusalem. It is still the center of God's creation on earth and always will be. It is God's beloved city. So a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem. Where is the new Jerusalem now? It's somewhere out there. You think, could it possibly be? And when I tell you how big it is, you're going to really wonder about it. But you see, God is so much bigger than what we ever think about. He is so much more involved in the workings of our universe than we ever even think about. Nothing moves without the spirit and presence of God. It all came from him. He made it out of nothing. It's still going and it's going to get bigger and better because there's no end to what God can do. And he has offered us the possibility of living with him forever in a body like unto his body, li living according to the things of that other world, and, and it'll last forever. You'll be a fool not to want to go there. I don't know about you, but I've had a good life, but it's been tough. And I think that's what most of us would say. And I wouldn't swap this life for that life that is to come for nothing in the world. Give me anything in this world you want to. Give me any position. But when I know what I know about the world that is to come, it looks like nothing. And he made us to inherit that place that he is preparing for us forever and forever and forever. It's going to be a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem. John said in the book of Revelation that he saw the city New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. I cannot even imagine that. Can you imagine it? 
because it's a 1,500 mile cube is how big it is. It's not a balloon that's come floating down out of the air. It is a 1,500 mile cube. Do you know how big 1,500 miles is? It stretches from the California close to the Appalachian Mountains. From Canada to Mexico. That's just approximately the square of 1,500 square miles. But it's not only wide and this way, it's this way. It is 1,500 miles high skyscraper, if you want to call it that, only it's way beyond the sky. If, and it is a city, I don't, it, the one place says, it, you know, it has mansions, and one place says habitation, and they're just different things. One place, as I told you, one translation said rooms. So if it's a cube that's 1,500 miles like this, the average floor between floor one and floor two of a skyscraper is 12 feet. If that is the way it's set up, going this way, there would be 660,000 floors. It's going to take an elevator and a half to make that one. Can you imagine? Now, folks, I'm not telling you a fairy tale. If you believe anything out of the Word of God, you have to believe this. And he has gone and he's preparing that place for you. What in the world could ever keep you from living for God, knowing how much he loves you and what he is preparing for you, and he's made a way for you to go there and live there forever? Take this whole world, but just give me Jesus, because I've got a better day coming. Anybody want to agree with me on that? <laughs> the tallest building in the world is in Dubai. It is 2,717 feet high. Before it was built, I saw the, uh, the tallest building, which was next to where this one has been built. It was unbelievable. This building in Dubai has 104 floors. I stayed in a hotel last night, thanks to your pastor, that had five floors and the elevator was struggling to get in between them. I, I just, this is so beyond what I can even contemplate. 2,717, <coughs> pardon me, allergy season. But this one is so much bigger than that. Revelation 21 and 17 said there's a wall around this city. And the wall is made of jasper. Now, jasper is a disputed, it, it, there are many people who translate it one way or another. But it, it evidently, from the best that we can make out, it's something like diamonds that has colors that show up in it, but it's kind of transparent and very sparkly and very, very expensive. And there is a wall around this new Jerusalem made of jasper. It is 72 yards wide. I'd say that's a wall. If you want to know in our terminology how big that is, it's three quarters of the size 
of a football field. Out of solid jasper. 1,500 miles high. Now, one, one of the reasons, and I'm so glad that, glad that God put this in there, verse 17 in describing this, says this is according to the measure of a man. So in other words, this is, these measurements I'm giving you are according to what you understand as measurements. Isn't that great? That's why we can figure it out from what they tell us in the Bible that it is actually 72 yards wide. Now, if it's hard for you to believe that this is all really real, you need to look at our, our own world and universe. I mean, the Grand Canyon is not something to sneeze at. The highest mountains in the world, the, the precious stones dug out of the earth in Africa. I mean, you know, we live in quite a world. And then now we're exploring outer space and what they're finding there and how big it is. And I don't see how anybody could ever deny that, that there is a God. From the biggest to the least thing, from the biggest thing that he made in the world to the least thing, every time I hold a newborn baby and I just have a brand new great-grandbaby, and every time I hold a baby, I marvel at the conception of a child and the birth of a child and everything that child will have and need and will operate in his body if it's a young man when he's six foot two or three, weighs 280 pounds, is already in that minuscule child. And it grows at the same rate. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Everything in that body has to grow at the same rate are there something bad wrong? If you have trouble believing that God can do what I'm talking about in heaven, you just need to look around you and see what he's already done. This new Jerusalem is going to be, and the new heavens and all, are going to be, the new Jerusalem actually is going to be big enough to accommodate all of the redeemed people of all the ages. That's big. There's a mathematician that got to fooling with these figures, this 1,500-mile cube, and this is what he came up with. He said it could accommodate up to 20 billion people. Now, we talk about how the population is growing now. What is it, Pastor? Maybe 10 billion now in the world or something. Well, he said that this place is going to be big enough to accommodate 20 billion people. If each of them had 75 acres. Now, I don't, I don't even want 75 acres. I sure don't want it here, but up there, there won't be any grass to mow. But this is just giving you a little insight to what God is doing and what he's preparing and what it's going, why it's going to be worth living for God regardless of what you go through. It's going to be worth it all because life is over in a snap. And this is going to be forever and forever. This city has 12 gates. They're made out of pearl. There are angels that guard those gates. They're the names of the 12 tribes of Israel written on those gates. But it's only for those whose name is in the Lamb's book of life that will ever enter those gates. 
and you enter the gate by having your name in the Lamb's book of life, buried in the name of Jesus, living for God, filled with his spirit, and regardless of what you go through, it's going to be worth it all when we see Jesus. There are precious stones. The foundation is made out of 12 layers of precious stones. I can't even pronounce all of them and don't and never even heard of some of them. But rubies, emeralds, diamonds, everything that we put a high price on, gold, all of the things that we put a high price on in this world is going to be the common building product there. Can you imagine what it is going to be like? There will be no temple there because the temple, God himself, will be there in his presence. To live in the presence of God for an eternity. I just, I, I can't. There's a river in the midst of it. Runs down from under the, the throne of God. There's going to be parks there. There's going to be fruit trees there. There's going to be all kind of beautiful, like, it's going to be like an everlasting park and you living in a mansion. Who wouldn't want to, who wouldn't want to go? And we're nearing the shore, folks. It's worth everything to just set my foot on that celestial shore someday and think that I finally made it. Now I want to introduce you just to a little thought that really has caused a lot of consternation among people. Because there is going to be a new earth. And the scripture bears out that there are going to be kingdoms or nations on that earth. And you know who's going to rule over those? Those that live in the new Jerusalem. The saints of God. He is going to say to this one, you were faithful over what I gave you to be faithful over. You rule over this. To another, you were faithful over your responsibility. You rule over this. You see, it's going to be a real world. It's going to be where we know know people. We're going to do things. It's going to be lively. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be perfect. Because no sin can ever enter there. And it's going to be everything that you, you know, it's going to be beyond everything that you could ever imagine. But all of this is going to happen after the end of this world. The coming of the Lord, the rapture of the church is the next thing on the calendar as far as I can tell. And after that will be seven years of great tribulation, three and a half years of great tribulation, seven years of tribulation. And then the second coming of the Lord when he sets up his kingdom on this earth and the new Jerusalem comes down, it's going to be marvelous and that goes for a thousand years. And then the battle of Armageddon is fought and then it's all over with. There's nothing but heaven and God, us, the rest of it. And when I say the rest of it, I'm talking about eternity. You can't even measure it. You know, I heard him say one time that in trying to measure eternity, that if a little bird could pick up one grain of sand and move it to another area in the universe, and he did the whole world moving it one grain of sand at a time, eternity would have just begun. Human minds cannot even fathom what eternity is like. It is beyond anything that we could ever, ever imagine. 
Okay, let me ask you the question, are there people there? First of all, let me say, where are people who have died now? You know, Sister Chance, I was thinking about today, and I was so thrilled about coming, and I thought, I wish Brother Chad, I wish I knew for sure. I kind of think they may. I think God sometimes gives people glimpses, lets them see a little bit about what's going on on earth. I don't really have a factual answer for that, but I do know that Paul went up there, and he looked down and saw things, and John went up there, and he looked down and saw things. So maybe, maybe E.W. Carr and Glenn Chance peeping in and seeing us here today. I know they would be happy. I know they would be happy. But anyway, there are people already that have gone on to meet the Lord. Are they in that new Jerusalem? No, they're not in the new Jerusalem. I'm not even real sure they're in the third heaven yet. You see, this is so much bigger than we are. But wherever they are, they have a marvelous existence. They're already there. They're already redeemed. There'll be no chance of them ever being lost again. They are in the presence of God. It's all peace and joy and glory forever. And they haven't even had the giving out of the awards yet. Can you imagine what that's going to be? When he says, you were so faithful in Pastor and Monroe, Brother Chance. Here's your award. You're going to rule over these ten cities out here. I'm not talking about imagination. I'm talking about facts out of the Word of God. And it's going to be worth it all when we see Jesus. And if you can just understand that you're nearer to the shore than you ever thought you would be before. So where are the saints that have died now? I don't know. There's some people that think they are just asleep in the grave and they're resting. But I, I, I don't see that when I look at scriptures where there were people that came back for reasons that we, we don't understand all of that together either. But we know, that, we know that we're living in bodies that die. Did you know life is terminal? Nobody's going to live forever in this body. This body is terminal. It wears out. It's over with. It's done. But we're going to live forever somewhere because death is the result of universal disease of sin and sin has invaded this world. There are 250,000 people that die every day. But for a believer, death is not a termination of life. It's a transition from this life to a much better life. Paul spoke one time, and he's talked about he would love to depart and be with, be with the Lord, he said. And the word he used there for depart is a pictorial word of a boat that is unloosened from one moorhead to another and moving to a different situation. The same boat, but a different situation. That's what Paul was talking about. I'd rather depart, leave this life, and go to the life that is to come. You're going to live forever somewhere. And now this is not a, not a lesson to talk about the alternative to God's future. But there is a future for those who refuse God. And that is a different message altogether. But I'm giving you the message of hope. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, Today you will be with me in paradise. Now, Brother Danny, that's all I need to know. 
is that when I take that last breath, I'm going to enter the presence of God and I'm going to be with Him in something called paradise. Isn't that that wonderful? Spirit will usher you into the presence of God Himself. The book of Acts chapter 7, Stephen the martyr that was stoned to death, as he was dying, he looked up and he said to something that he saw, something real beyond what human eyes could see. He said, Lord, receive my spirit. And immediately he was with the Lord. I believe that. Does this do anything for you folks? Y'all just sitting there staring at me. Do you want to go there? You want to understand it? The scripture says we're going to be changed in a moment. That's either death or the rapture. At death, the moment you draw this last breath and it's gone, you are in another world. You know, I I refer back to what my husband said, and I would have believed him because I knew the kind of life he lived. But if I didn't even know for sure, a dying man don't lie. And when he said... I am in the presence of God. I believe he was actually in the presence of God. The room was full of people and they all heard him. The lady that owned the place where he was, the rehab center, stood there in her high heels for two hours with tears streaming down her face. And she heard him say, I am in the presence of God. It's real. It's real. We will be changed in a moment and caught up with him either in the rapture or when we take our last breath and it will happen in a split second. Many believe that we're in a temporary, that, that we will have a temporary body when we first die. And, that it, and, and I know it's not going to be the glorified body. Now this gets really kind of sticky here. I don't know exactly how they look or what they are, but I know that it's real on the other side of this life curtain. And I'm not sure whether whether they have an actual body or not. I tend to think they do. And the people that I have read after, the scholars that have studied this, they tend to think they do have a temporary body even after this life because God has never referred to human beings without body, soul, and spirit. That's what makes up a person body, soul, and spirit. And God is very, he, he, he repeats the same pattern so many times in what he does. But the glorified body is going to be recognizable. You know, we, we forget that what happened to Jesus after he died, we're going to kind of experience the same thing. He walked along the Emmaus Road after he was resurrected. Walked as a man, Went in their house, sat down, ate supper with them. Man, I'd like for that to happen, wouldn't you? And then all of a sudden, because he was not of this world at that point, he disappeared out of their sight. But he had a body. So I tell you that because I like to think of the fact that Brother Chance and my husband and my daddy are all united up there somewhere in that paradise of God. 
and can exchange thoughts and remember and you evidently do remember we got the story of Lazarus to tell us that people do remember things from earthling, day, earthling days. Is this exciting to y'all? And there they are, you know, I don't know. It just, it just, it thrills my soul so much. You see, John was caught up. Paul was caught up to the third heaven. The thief had a promise of being in paradise immediately upon his death. We have Elijah and we have Enoch that all went to give us testimonies of what happens. So now my next question is, what are we going to do in heaven? That worried me for a long time. And I'll tell you why. I'm a busybody. And I'm not a gossiper. Not that kind of busybody. But I love to be doing something. If I thought heaven meant I was going to be floating around on a cloud strumming a harp for 10,000 years, I'm not sure I'd want to go. That sounds pretty boring. But have you ever thought about what you're going to do in heaven? We talk about we're going to live forever, but what are you going to do forever? Well, I have, I, I have enough to believe from what we can pick up that we will do worship and work. You see, and this is one of those things that's just alluded to in the scripture, but it makes sense if you follow the way God does things. God created Eden, the Garden of Eden, and he put the first man and woman there. And God loved it. He enjoyed it. He fellowshiped with them. He gave them two things to do. They were to worship him, spend time with him, and to keep the garden. Worship and work. Worship and work. And the devil got in it and messed the whole thing up. But the devil is never a winner. And God's not going to take that mark down in eternity that the devil messed up his work and he didn't restore it. So you see, scholars that read and study all this and go through the original language, they tend to believe that heaven will be somewhat a duplication of what God intended in Eden. And I like to think of it that way. Because as I've already told you, there are trees there, there's streets there, there's a river there, there's fruit there, there are tables there. You know, and I, I think that God's just going to step up a notch from Eden and there's going to be all kind of beautiful trees and gardens and I'm a flower lover. I can't imagine a place where you can garden and grow without weeds. But weeds were a result of sin. God did not intend that. God came down in Eden and walked with them every day and fellowshiped with them. If he did that in Eden, when I get to that glorious place, is it going to be my wonderful privilege to actually walk with the resurrected Jesus Christ and hear the stories of him and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? Whew! I want to go today, and I'm not kidding you. I do want to go today. I done lived my life and worked hard. I'm ready to go, and I get excited every time I talk about it. So I think you can understand a little bit about what 
what that world is going to be like if you refer back to what Eden was like. Because the devil has never won a victory over God that he didn't come back and put him in his place and do something better. And I think that heaven is going to kind of be a, a rub it in his face. Look what you messed up. Look how much better this is. So I want to go there. Y'all enjoying this? Now, one thing about working in heaven is you're not going to have a human body. Thank God I won't have this back I've got right now. We're going to be changed. So when you talk about work, you're talking about endless energy. No tiredness. No, no sore muscles. No anything wrong with you. The perfect body. It's just going to be wonderful. God ended his work in the beginning and he looked at it and said, that is good. I cannot believe with him working all of this time how much better that is going to be. It's going to be beyond our recognition. There's a strange little scripture in John chapter 5. And Pastor, I don't understand it, but I'm going to quote it for you. It says, my father is working until now, and I myself am working. Jesus was talking. I wonder if they're referring to the new Jerusalem, the new earth, all those things it's going to be. They're working. They're getting it ready for us. And you see, the gifts that are in you, the innate gifts that are in you, you know, for music or woodworking or writing or what, those are God-given. Wouldn't it be like God, since he's going to step up this body a notch, to just step up all your giftings a notch? And you'd be able to do what you were gifted to do forever, only in an elevated sense. If it's going to be a city, there's going to be a lot of things to be done. I'm telling you, folks, it's bigger than anything we could ever begin to think or ask about God. We just can't even begin to understand it. I want to just mention this to you, that Moses died. Elijah was, was translated. He did not die. But on the Mount of, Tra of Transfiguration, they were there. And this kind of gives me an insight. They were there from way, way back. I don't know how many years from when they died or were translated. But they were there on the Mount of Transfiguration in such a way that the disciples recognized who they were. And they were talking to Jesus about the future. Because the scripture says they were talking to Jesus about his death that was to come. So, you know, why didn't I tell you that to confuse you? Because I can't understand it and you can't either. But it just gives me an idea of how awesome this is going to be like. They were from the past, in the present, talking about the future, breathing, living, talking, moving beings that were recognizable. Heaven is going to be an unbelievably wonderful place. And then I'm almost through, but let me, let me introduce you to something else. Daniel chapter 7 says, and it's very interesting to read if you want to go home and read it, but the kingdoms of this world are going to be given to the saints. And then we also have the scriptures that says you will rule and reign over this and that and the other, you know. So... Actually, 
the new Jerusalem, now in my way of seeing this, that's where the bride lives. I'm glad I've got his name on me. Then we've got a new earth that have nations. Why can I say that? Because the scripture said that the nations will come to the new Jerusalem and bring their glories or their bounty or whatever to, to the new Jerusalem. It's big, folks. It's big. But Daniel said the saints are going to be given the kingdoms to rule over. It's going to pay to be faithful. And let me just pause and add something here. What you do and how you serve will not determine, I'm talking about what you do for God, working in the church or whatever, working for the kingdom. That will not secure your place in heaven. Only the blood of Jesus, only the burial, resurrection of your body in the name of Jesus, all of the, what we know as salvation, that's what will get you in. Only the grace of God gets you in. You can't work hard enough to earn a place. But your gifts, your, your work is going to matter because you will be rewarded according to how much you invested in the kingdom here. Your work for God will never get you into heaven. It's the grace of God. But your work for God will determine your position in that world to come. Scripture says you've been faithful over much, you rule over much. You've been faithful over little, you rule over little. I'm going to invest all I can in the kingdom of God because where I'm going is going to last forever and forever. You know, this, we, Luke chapter 19 talks of the nobleman that goes away and he says to his servants, you, you be faithful and when you come back, I'll reward you. And it's a picture of how this reward is going to work. Well, the saints are going to judge the world. Now, there's another strange scripture that I have had to study out. 1 Corinthians 6, 3 says the saints are going to judge angels. That didn't make sense to me, but I come to find out that that word judge angels <clears throat> is not judging like judging them for what it means that they will serve us. Now, let's talk about angels in heaven. The scripture says there are myriads and myriads, now we don't even use that word in our not common English, M-Y-R-I-A-D-S, myriads. It means 2,000 or 20,000. Myriads and myriads of angels in heaven. And they're going to serve us because we have been bought by the blood of Jesus. They have never experienced that. But can you imagine the numbers of angels that are going to occupy this place? It's going to be wonderful, folks. It's going to be wonderful. Now, a few more little questions and I'm through. Will we know each other in heaven? I think we will. Job 19, he said, in my flesh, I shall see God. I'll be who I am here. I'll be there. Will we eat and drink in heaven? I think so. Jesus, after he res was resurrected, ate fish and honeycomb. I know a lot of people wouldn't want to go if they weren't going to eat. And I might be one of them. 
I don't know what we're going to eat, but we're going to eat because he said, Jesus said, you will sit at my table and eat and drink in the kingdom that is to come. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be a party forever. Isn't that awesome? Only you don't have to clean up from it. Will we have our names in heaven? People that went to heaven were referred to after they went by their names. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob on this earth were still Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when they got there. I'll still be Thetis. I don't know if I'll have my last name or not, but I'll still be who I am, but in a glorified body, living a wonderful life. Will we wear clothes in heaven? I sure hope so. Revelation 3 and 5 says the overcomers are clothed in white garments. And everything you read in the book of Revelation, if it's looking into that world that is to come, they're in white garments, purity of garments. How old will we be? Not 87, I hope. Now, this is pure speculation. But now I didn't come up with this. The people who are a lot smarter than I am did. They think that we will all be probably somewhere around our 30s because that is the perfected age of humanity. The 30s, you have reached your maturity, but you hadn't gone into the decline yet. And so they think we'll all be around the age of 30. Just think, slim, dark hair, no wrinkles. Am I dreaming? Don't wake me. Because heaven is going to be absolutely wonderful. It makes me want to sing some of those old songs. Like, won't it be wonderful there? Having no burdens to bear. Joyously singing with heart bells all ringing. Won't it be wonderful there? Will you stand? us so much anytime you're feeling discouraged let your mind go back to what he has planned for you he did not plan for you to hurt for eternity that's only for life but he planned a perfect eternity for you where you will dwell in nothing but beauty and nothing but a wonderful body in a glorious place living with the Lord Jesus Christ himself I want to go. You want to go? Let's worship him.